right. Thanks for listening, guys. Minnesota Made Podcast. I have Frank Panaccio. Did I say that right, Frank? You did. You All did. Right. Nailed it. Um, uh, on with me. And Frank was originally introduced to me from by Mitch over at the Builders Group. You know, I was meeting with Mitch to try to get a contract over there, talking about some of the things I wanted to do. And Mitch was like, man, you got to talk to Frank. Frank's got it all figured out. Frank is uh, super smart. He's got the processes down. He trained me a little bit. So um, I gave Frank a call, left him a message, played a little joke on him, got his attention. And uh, Frank called me back. Now, I never told you this, Frank, but, uh, you know, I view you as my mentor when I have questions come up with clients regarding their risk management needs, you know, work comp stuff. Um, and I don't know the answer to the question. I always tell them, hold on, I got to talk to somebody smarter than me. <laughs> and I'll get back to you on that. And you may, you may want to change that, Jason. Uh, older and with more experience. The smarter part, that's that's debatable. Certainly, I've been around and seen a few things. So uh, I'd be okay with older and more experience. You don't have to say I'm smarter because I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> well, you're always the one I reach out to first to get my questions answered. And uh, so I appreciate, you know, all the help you've given to me over the past uh, time we've known each other. And uh, so... Um, I don't know, people like to get a little backstory, I feel like, on who it is that they're listening to. So I don't, can you take us back to, you know, little Frank, you know, a little bit where you grew up <laughs> and how you ended up uh, where you are now? Okay, I'll be, I'll be brief. Uh, my, my family uh, were from Brooklyn, New York. They were Brooklyn refugees. They moved to Florida and I was actually born along with my five siblings large Italian Catholic family in Lakeland, Florida, of all places. My, my dad, mom just didn't want to raise, raise their family on the streets of Brooklyn. Right. And uh, I grew up in, in Central Florida, great place to grow up, uh, you know, safe, easy. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was just a great childhood. Um, went to public schools, managed to get into a state you know, university, which today I probably couldn't. Uh, they, they took people back then that uh, didn't have the same SAT scores that are required today. And, and like most people, Jason, I stumbled into the insurance profession, which now I'm training in the insurance profession, but I was a, a retail insurance agent for about 30 years or so. And it wasn't my first career. I, I started out as a public school teacher. I take as a badge of honor after a year and a half, they said, we think you're not suited for this. We we think you should leave. And uh, I said, you're probably right. Um, I wandered into the hospitality industry for a year or two and found that to be the most boring industry in the world. Um, and then I just threw a, a quirky uh, set of circumstances. I, I landed in the insurance business and found that here 30 some years later, I'm not bored. I find it to be an exhilarating profession. Uh, it's becoming increasingly beneficial uh, in so many ways because the world is getting so much more complex and uh, the mundane part of this business is starting to get automated. So that's kind of a, a Reader's Digest version uh, for those out there that know what Reader's Digest is uh, of, of how I got from there to here. A lot of fortuitousness, but I found a home because of uh, I get bored easy and you can't get bored in this business. Now, how did you transition from the retail side? Because you were 
uh, once upon a time a producer, correct? Right, that is correct. Over to the training side, what, what happened there? Yeah, I, somebody I knew said, hey, I, I kind of like the way you're operating your business. I find it interesting. I find it different. I find it unique. Have you ever thought about training it to others and teaching others? And I really hadn't. Um, and it started out just, again, fortuitously put together a couple of workshops. And one, it was really resonating with folks. Two, it was fun. I really enjoyed uh, training. And so I did both for a while. I kept the agency and kept doing that and was doing the training on a part-time basis. It later became clear I enjoyed the training more and uh, so sold the agency and, and uh, now full-time training consulting with agents all across the country. How long ago was that? Did you make that uh, full-time? Me? Yeah, I'm looking at, my, uh, at the calendar here. April 1st, 2009. Uh, the economy was not in great shape on April 1st, 2009. But April 1st, 2009, my partner Susan Toussaint and I hit that mouse button that basically sent an email uh, out to the world saying, uh, here's who we are and here's what we do. And if you have any interest, let's talk. So it's been... Uh, been 11 straight years now. Uh, so I've been around a while. I've done this uh, either on the retail side or on the training side in this business for quite a long time. Right, right. Sounds that way. Now, you know, getting into the training piece, um, I view you as uh, more of like a, a work comp expert. I know you do some training and other things. Mm -hmm. Has that always kind of been your focus from the beginning or have things kind of uh, changed throughout the years as far as your training programs go? Yeah, it wasn't cycles. When I first landed in the business, I was multi-line. And I, then I figured out, gosh, it's really tough to be great at property and casualty, workers' compensation, group health, personal lines. I mean, it's, it's insane to try to get your arms around that. So then I went the other direction and I discovered that workers' compensation is, is very unique in that it appears simple. Statutory coverage, all carriers provide the same coverage, but it is exceedingly complex. And, and employers can lose their entire business if they don't handle it properly. Injured employees, uh, good people can get injured, go out into this system and, and, and can just really be harmed. Uh, so I gravitated toward becoming a specialist. And I was a specialist in work comp for probably, I don't know, 14, 15 years. Uh, and, and just kind of said, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. This is what I'm going to do. And a lot of people thought I was crazy. Uh, it worked out pretty well. Uh, but have, you know, in the training side of the world, that is still one of our, what we call our flagship offerings, a leading with workers' compensation strategy. We still think is critical because so many business owners, and they, they hear what they hear from agents, um, are not aware of the complexity and the risks that arise out of work comp. So we still train on that. And we've just been, really there's a demand in the marketplace, take that same approach and broaden it to overall property and casualty. And we do that as well. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's surprising to me. Um, you know, one client in particular is over 50 employees. And um, you start talking about different OSHA compliance requires, requirements related to safety. And if they're safe, of course, uh, injuries go down, their experience mod improves, their work comp insurance a premium becomes lower. And, uh, you know, they're at over 50 employees and no safety committee. And according to OSHA, you know, all companies over 25 employees need to have a safety committee. So that was the latest thing I was working on with that client. 
is trying to help him get a, a safety committee uh, implemented within their business. And he's pretty excited about it. And, but yeah, yeah, he had no idea. He had no idea that was any kind of requirement or what kind of effect that's gonna have on the business's uh, bottom line, as far as the, the work comp premium and the total cost of risk. It seems like there's a lot of businesses, most businesses are just kind of in the dark regarding what they can do or what's required of them. Um, and once they're brought to light, you know, they're more than willing to try to do the right thing and fix it. That's, uh, that is absolutely correct. And probably one of the most disconcerting parts of our profession, Jason, and I still regard myself as being in this profession, is that uh, there's so many agents out there that have taught employers, business owners with lots, to, lots of risk and lots at stake, uh, just give me your stuff and I'll go get you a quote. That, and then they've convinced people and of course, it's to the benefit of the agent that doesn't know anything uh, to just gather up a bundle of paper or a PDF file and go get quotes. And that, uh, and that's something too, with all the tragedy around the pandemic that I think we learned a little bit is that anybody who just sold policies on quotes and price and didn't have any insider knowledge um, found themselves to be not really useful at a time of crisis. And uh, you're talking about things that, that really should be blocking and tackling. Let's help employers prevent injuries or incidents or accidents. Let's help them manage the ones that do occur. Let's protect them from the big, what could be an uncovered claim that would drive them right out of business. Yes, let's place them with a carrier that has a competitive or even a great price. But anybody can do that. Anybody can get a price. But it, it, not very many agents and brokers have decided, like yourself, to rise to the level to do something more to place a product. And, and quite honestly, uh, they're now building machines that can place products. So if we don't bring more to the table, a lot of these folks, these give me a quote folks or these folks that say, I'll, I'll give you a quote. You know, I've got great markets and I've got great insurance companies all all you need is uh, to work with me and I can get you the greatest price. Well, they're at serious risk because not only are they not addressing the needs of the clients in the marketplace, but uh, some big private equity money has, has looked at that and said, you know what, if you're going to behave like a machine and do nothing different than a machine, we can build a machine to do what you do. And we can do it with far less overhead, far less friction, far less cost. Now, I believe the need for an insurance agent, a professional insurance agent, is more critical now than ever but not the ones that just say, I'll get you a quote. Right, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's a little difficult to uh, convince the business owners that it's not just a commodity. You know, they think they just, they, they got it handled. They got that box, that insurance box checked. My agent, you know, he gets me my insurance and it is what it is and that's that. Uh, you know, trying to get them to realize that there's a lot more to this than what they're most likely receiving or should be doing uh, as a responsible employer, as far as keeping their employees safe, preventing those injuries, managing the injuries correctly, having a go-to person, you know, like myself to get all those things done quickly, efficiently, and put those systems and procedures in place, you know, it, it, but once they get their head around it, you know, it's not just a price game that there's this whole other gamut of services that are available to me that I didn't even realize about, then they're on board. 
but getting them from point A to point B, uh, that can be a little a little difficult at times. Oh, it's it's challenging for a bunch of reasons. Well, none of us like to change. Jason, I'm not pleased with my bank. I haven't been pleased for 20 years with my bank. I haven't changed. I don't like change. A lot of people don't like change. And then I just assume like many insurance buyers do, well, it's all the same. The next guy is gonna be equally as good or equally as bad as the guy I'm with. I might as well stay where I'm at. Um, plus the, the insurance world, risk management insurance, insurance policies, it's complex. And, and we try to, we're all trying to just make, you know, make sense of complexities and the world is far more complex. We're talking about things over the past year or two we've never talked about before, you know, cyber breaches, of course, pandemics, uh, you know, these, these hundred year weather events that are happening every year. Um, the, the world has just gotten, uh, you know, globalization and automa uh, automation, excuse me, that have just made things far more complex for everybody. And it'd be easy. Gosh, I, you know, people just say, please, just don't, don't raise an issue that I've got a problem here too. I'd like to just reduce this down to the best price and go about my way. And oh, by the way, nothing bad has happened, so I must be okay. So we're just because nothing bad has happened, that doesn't mean something bad won't happen. Fortunately, adverse financial events are infrequent. But when they occur, they can literally change somebody's life uh, for, if not the rest of their life, possibly for even generations to come. And that's, it's hard, uh, Jason, but that's, that's, your, that's your mission now, is to help lead people to, to discover. There's another way to do it. There's another approach. May not be for you. Um, and, but would you be curious to hear about it and make a different, make a decision as to what's the right fit for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my newest clients, I think the light bulb went on uh, when we started talking about their workers' comp experience mod and how that affects not only what they end up paying, but how it can also affect their ability to bid on and work on certain jobs. And they're a contractor. And uh, their mod uh, was approaching that 1.0. I think they were at uh, 0.98 on the mod. So that, uh, that got their attention. And um, since then, we've implemented a bunch of stuff to help them reduce injuries. One of which I mentioned to you a while back is that, you know, they were doing these pre-placement examinations at, at a facility I was, mm, I was unsure of. <laughs> <laughs> so I called the, the, that medical facility uh, several times to, you know, do a meet and greet, do a tour of their, uh, of their clinic. And um, we went by one of the rooms and she quickly said, this is where we do our pre-placement exams and, uh, and then walked on. And I, it caught my eye because the room was no joke. It was like eight by 10. And uh, there's a whole worn out treadmill covered in boxes and uh, a leg extension machine from the 1970s. And uh, so I asked her if I could take some pictures, <laughs> take some pictures and bring them back to my client. And she's like, oh yeah, that's fine. And I brought them back to my client and I'm like, man, you know, every dollar you've spent on pre-placement exams, chances are it's like 
money wasted. And I uh, got him hooked up with a more reputable uh, clinic facility here in Minnesota, Minnesota Occupational Health. They do a great job. And uh, they're very thankful for it. But, you know, I guess going back to what I was saying earlier, it was that experience mod uh, that really mm -hmm. caught the attention and the ability to possibly not bid on or work on, you know, future projects if that mod gets above one. And uh, I guess with that in mind, Frank, is there, you know, anything that kind of jumps out to you that you would suggest contractors or manufacturers to pay attention to um, when it comes to, you know, workers comp or employee safety, injury prevention, um, or, you know, claim management, that type of thing that they're more than likely not even thinking about? Yeah, you hit on something here that is uh, very significant. And now we're, we're in a world of, we're not even talking about uh, reducing costs. We're talking about business sustainability. If, if you're a contractor that needs a mod, a work comp experience mod of 1.0 or below uh, with some of your general contractors or owners, or if you do municipality work or other type of government work and your mod ticks up above a one, it could, your business could literally be in peril. So it's, and look, I don't necessarily agree with those folks that say you're, I'm going to use your mod as a bid qualifier, but it doesn't matter. They didn't ask my opinion. And that's what the reality is. So with respect to how do we keep it below a one, um, to your point, let's hire people that are fit for the job. I know that's hard. That is difficult. Finding talent is always like one of the top of the top five uh, challenges employers face. Finding good talent is, is up there. Uh, so we know it's difficult, but if we hire people not fit for the job, it's not a matter of if they're going to get hurt, but when. Mm -hmm. and, and then things just go uh, out of control. Um, get great medical care, as you mentioned. You know, let's vet these, these medical providers. Not that we're going to tell them how to practice medicine, but you could tell right away uh, that uh, that wasn't somebody you wanted your clients uh, going to. And having conversations with folks about, tell me about your philosophy, your approach, want to work with doctors that don't go right immediately to narcotics and opioids and alike and, and, and take care of the injured employee by helping them identify where's the best place to go. Communication, that frontline supervisor is so critical. We, we've got, they don't know how important they are. The injured employee looks to them and goes, hey, uh, you know, I'm your guy, I'm hurt. How about talking to me? You know, staying in touch and letting some of my fear go away because injured employees don't know about this system. They want somebody to just say, it's going to be okay. I got your back. I'm, gonna, I'm here. You need a ride. You need something picked up at the store. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to work with you on this. We're going to get you back. We're going to get you back to your normal life. And, and we're going to make this disruption just as least is affected on you and your family as possible. And, and you know, moving things along uh, along that way is uh, the biggest problem to work comp system. It, it's not employee fraud like a lot of people think it is. Yeah, there is employee fraud out there, but it, that's not the biggest problem. Biggest problem. Biggest problem is people that get injured don't recover as we expect them to recover. And there's a myriad of reasons why that happens. Some of which are very emotional. Some of which are, yeah, nobody talked to me. I didn't get a good doctor. I shouldn't have taken that job to begin with. A whole host of reasons. We want to work on that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to make a quick pivot here, Jason, and share one more thing that could adversely affect uh, one of your clients or prospective clients' uh, experience, Bob. And that is this. And this is this is a little bit of a 
bitter pill to swallow. Let's be careful. Let's be careful with the use of a class, class code known as executive supervisor. A lot of contractors like to use that executive supervisor class code. And let's just say that sometimes we stretch, we have a tendency to stretch the description and the definition of that. But here's the downside of using it. Use it if it's appropriate, which usually means you have a, a construction trailer on a job site and the person stays in there most of the day. But otherwise, if, if someone's out ramrodding jobs and walking all over the place and working with folks on a job site, the likelihood is that's probably not the right fit. Now, why, what, what does a class code have to do with the mod? If we use class codes that aren't the right class codes, that does adversely affect the experience modification factor. And I'm not going to go into the math around that, Jason. I'll, I'll leave that to you and your prospective clients and clients to, to, to you know what all the math is around that. But I just want people to be cautious. Let's be careful where we think we might be cutting our costs someplace. We may be putting our entire business at risk on the other side of that balloon. Yeah. Or even worse yet, uh, one of my clients had the owner on the clerical class code, you know, the 8810. You know, so same, same recourse happened there. Yeah. Uh, we got them switched over and, um, um, and it's all fixed now. But uh, Back to the point of hiring the right people, though. Um, right. Recently, a client of mine, uh, less than a year ago, hired somebody that worked for a day and a half, total of 13 hours, right? Uh, this person that they hired was referred to them by another one of their employees who they considered to be a good employee, a good employee, and they trusted the referral. Uh, they, they put that new employee uh, through the pre-placement examination over at the old facility that they were using. Mm -hmm. And uh, he worked for a day and a half, walked off the job site saying, this work is too hard. I'm out of here. Said nothing about an injury. Nothing. Right. Nine months later, they get a letter from an attorney saying uh, he's trying to file a work comp claim and he wants all his medical bills paid for, uh, rehab consultation, imaging paid for, uh, and uh, yeah, my clients are standing there like, what the heck? Right now, everybody's lawyered up. You know, the the injured employee's got an attorney. Yeah, my client has uh, notified their insurance company. They hired an attorney. Uh, his previous employer, uh, who he worked for uh, for a period of time, and that's supposedly where the injury took place. Right, he injured there, and then he quit supposedly, and. Um, then he came to work for my client. And uh, so the previous employer, their insurance company's notified, they got an attorney. So now the attorneys are getting rich and uh, we're, just, we're just waiting to find out what's gonna happen here. And so going back to hiring the right person, yeah, I mean, even though this is a referral from a good employee, you know, they were using a mediocre facility for, um, for the pre-placement examinations and maybe not asking all the right questions on the application. They didn't have any job descriptions in place. Now they do. I helped right. them out with that. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky situation that some of these employers get stuck in. It, it is. And some of it is just uh, grossly unfair. Um, it, it is called the workers' compensation system, not the Employer Protection Act. For a reason, so if we if we get a bad actor uh, in the house, uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. That's why we just 
try as much as possible. And, and as mentioned a few moments ago, getting good talent is, is one of the, the greatest challenges. And sometimes employers feel, I, I got to get the work done. I need a warm body in here at least. And that often leads to a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, you know, I've, I've known you for a, a while now and I've used your services and I think of you as a mentor. And if there's other agents out there, you know, maybe they're playing that whole quote game and it's making them nervous and uh, they, they feel like they can be replaced at any time for a cheaper price, you know, cause that's all they're providing is a, a cheaper price than the, than the guy last year. And they want to specialize in something like workers comp or lead with workers comp. Um, any advice you can give to them and what would be the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Well, thank you for that, uh, Jason. First of all, that's very generous of you. This is, uh, I'm here to help, you know, you participate with you and your, and your audience, but thank you for that opportunity. Uh, best way to reach, best way to reach me is uh, via email. Uh, Frank at Oceanus Partners, O-C-E-A-N-U-S Partners.com. That's, uh, that's going to catch me wherever I am. It looks like things are going to loosen up here and I'll be traveling again soon, uh, being, you know, back on the, on the business travel circuit. So, uh, so Frank at Oceanus Partners is the best way. That's very kind of you. Uh, be, uh, you know, it's a real pleasure to work with you. And, and yeah, that, you know, I think that uh, a lot of agents out there are tired of that old game and they just don't know how to get out of it. Um, and they feel like they get pushed into it and they get cornered. And, uh, you know, if they have a desire to, to stop that craziness, um, yeah, we'd like to have a conversation with them, see if we're a good fit. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate your time, Frank, and I appreciate all the listeners listening to Minnesota Made. And if you have any recommendations for future guests on the podcast, please let me know. And uh, that's it. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Jason. Pleasure to be with you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Cheers.